Hi, I'm Glenn Harper, CPA and owner of Harper & Company, CPAs Plus, and partner in Sula Consulting. In each episode, my co-host, Julie Smith, Harper & Company's practice manager and partner in Sula Consulting, and I will interview a different guest about their entrepreneurial journey. The podcast features interviews with business owners, aka entrepreneurs, who bring intriguing and entertaining clarity to the entire entrepreneurial journey, giving others confidence to build their business. Our goal is to provide actionable value to you, the entrepreneur, to help you do business or build a business. Every entrepreneur deserves to enjoy the journey. Learning from others offers valuable insight and inspiration. We want to provide insight on the why, the how, the shortcuts, and the value add that many entrepreneurs wish they would have had identified at the onset of their journey. Sit back and enjoy the journey. Hi, this is Glenn Harper from Harper CPA Plus, and we're joined at the table with Steve Palmer, entrepreneur, fellow uh, going out slaying it every day attorney, and Julie Smith, practice manager at Harper Plus. And we're here to talk about how to make an entrepreneurs be the best they can be and help them get out of their own way to achieve the success that they want. Steve, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Well, if you want all that information, I think you're probably in the wrong, uh, you're in the wrong place. Oh, I'm in the right spot. I know I am. So Steve, talk to me about why you decided to become an attorney in the first place. Well, the decision to become, it's really sort of the same. You know, why did I, and I think this is probably true of a lot of people who start their business. Uh, So I'll go to that first and I'll go back. So it's because I couldn't do anything else. And, you know, you default Are you saying that if you're an attorney, you can't do anything else or- Uh, I'm saying that when I graduated from college in 1992 with a degree in history and with a liberal arts background, I just didn't see a lot of job postings for that. So what was was the next step? Well, uh, after I shook off the graduation hangovers, I decided I probably had to do something and I applied to law school and I got in. Uh, And that's why I became a lawyer. Frankly, there was nothing else in front of me. Is it true that uh, law school takes anybody or do you really, is it really hard to get in? Uh, it depends. It's, you could probably find almost anybody could find a law school that would take them. Um, meaning if you, if you're shooting for the upper tiers, if you think you're an Ivy league, uh, law school guy or Michigan or even Ohio state now, uh, you better have top notch grades and you better have a, uh, a high percentile LSAT because otherwise you ain't getting in. When you go to law school, did you vision being saving the world kind of guy, attorney, working for a big firm? Did you want to push paper? Did you want to help people? What was your thought process when you did that? Uh, you know, I, I can't even say that I had a thought process. I remember thinking in maybe in my youth thinking, well, I'll be a prosecutor, uh, which is ironic because I'm a criminal defense lawyer now. And I couldn't even imagine. What are doing the odds? That. I, yeah, I couldn't imagine doing the other side. Uh, but no, I, I think when it, there's a misconception about law school, and that is you can specialize. People think that you can go into law school and think, uh, all right, I'm going to be a corporate lawyer, or I'm going to be a uh, an environmental lawyer, or I'm going to be this, that type of law. It's a general education. You get your three years, they cram into you everything they want to cram into you, which is really what you need to pass the bar exam. Uh, and then typically, your career path is established by your first job. Did you Did you say like, some you know attorneys are like, yeah, I want to save the world. I want to help people. I want to be on the other side of the island. And other people are like, hey, I just like going in the field of battle in the courtroom and trying to win. Um, we don't really care if they're guilty or innocent. I just want to go mano a mano against the jury in the box, against the judge, against the prosecutor, and try to bring my case to fruition. Is that what your mindset was? I don't think so. I think some people probably did. Some people probably thought they were out to save the world. And I'm going to guess that... Uh very few of those people are actually saving the world. They're probably not in their, 
you know, those ki- those types of legal jobs because the reality is you get out and you need to find a job to pay for it. Uh, and then as far as doing battle in the courtroom, man, I was like the the least likely to do that, I think. I mean, I wasn't a real um, outgoing people person and never have been, but in a courtroom. Well, how did that happen? How did you find that? uh, I think it's just all, it's sort of like acting in a lot of ways. You you find what's true. And uh, I've always been able to, to objectively evaluate truth. And then I can reiterate that. I can do that with confidence. Once it's in my head that it's true, in my soul that it's true, then I can explain it to anybody. I don't care who they are. I think people run into trouble in law, probably in accounting too, is when uh, they're making it up or they're faking it. And as soon as you start to fake something, probably in business, probably in life, probably in any personal relationship, it, in, it inevitably it's going to implode. And sometimes with catastrophic outcomes. So when you came out of law school, your first did you have a job? Were you originally working for yourself? Did you work for somebody? How did you get your first feet wet? Yeah, doing the deal. Uh, it's sort of the same kind of thing. I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, it just turned out that I, I got a job after my first year in the summers as a law clerk working for two criminal defense attorneys, highly uh, regarded criminal defense lawyers, uh, sort of the big guns in town. And I, I just thought, well, that's as good as anything. I, I, I loved the underdog mentality of it. I loved the uh, uh, sort of the big picture problem solving that went into it. I was enamored uh, by the two people I was working with, you know, sort of. You can tell you're an attorney using big words. Uh, well, you know, I shouldn't use big words as a lawyer too. That's why we should keep it <laughs> no, simple. It's all stupid. good. It's all good. Uh, we should simplify. That's my new motto is <laughs> I, I, I like to make things simple and almost anything can be made simple. What's scary is I actually understood what you're saying. So that's good. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been right. doing this for a while. Uh, but no, it, I, it, I, again, I think my career path was sort of dictated by my personality. And I think maybe that's what we're getting into here is that I, uh, I, I finished law school and I did okay. I mean, I did actually well. I mean, I got good grades in law school for the first time in my life. I thought, all right, I'm going to go to law school and this time I'm going to read it if they tell me to. If it's homework, I'm going to do it. If I'm supposed to be there, I'm going to be there. And, you know, about 80% of that I kept. And then, uh, you know, the other 20% I was out screwing off. But I would say that's definitely a key to success is to kind of finish what you start and commit to it, right? And if you do that, you're probably going to be at least a better chance to be a better position to make, have good opportunities. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I think if from an entrepreneur standpoint, the people I've met, actually a lot of them through you and your business, it, it, a lot of us have this sort of uh, ADHD scatterbrained approach at things where I just don't think I was going to fit into a law firm. I don't think that I was going to be able to show up, clock hours, uh, eight, 10 hours a day, uh, and then do that for the better part of 20, 30 years. So you didn't, when you came out of law school, you didn't actually work for anybody right away. You kind of just. I have never, you know, it's ironic. I look back, I've never had a, a job aside from that law clerkship. I've never worked for anybody. I banged nails in high school and in college to get through. I was working for construction crews, but quickly that became my own deck building business. You know, it's just, that's sort of how I am. So you would probably suggest that getting a real job, you just weren't programmed for that. No chance. And right? and the reason why is is it because you wanted to be a freewheeling, do it your own way. You don't want to be told what to do. I mean, there's a there's a lot that goes into the psyche of somebody of an individual to recognize: Are you going to work for somebody? Are you going to work with somebody? Or are you going to run your own show? Well, I, I think here again, you have your own goals sort of merge with your own abilities, and it's not necessarily that I thought I don't want to work for nobody. It was more that I thought. 
I don't think I, or I was either too scared. And I think I was scared because I don't think I could do it. I, I don't think I could just show up and, and do, and just be there every day in the normal, I'm just not normal. Was, I don't think, I don't think entrepreneurs well, are. We already, entrepreneurs are definitely programmed and wired differently. But again, the self-awareness that you are not traditional, normal career path, like, I mean, you knew that probably as a, at a young age, but that's a big deal when you come out of law school, you have no money, you got to get a job or you got to figure it out. And you're like, well, I could do the easy gig, go get a job or to heck with this. I'm going to go over here and try to start my own thing. Yeah. I guess what I'm thinking is I didn't give it that much thought. And if I look back and I'm, I'm watching my own sons now, um, I was never good at getting my homework done on time. I was never good at uh, of, of having all my stuff in order and organized. And, but when I did focus on something, I was really good at it. And it, it just is, uh, I think, again, sort of necessity uh, in my own capabilities made it clear, even un- subconsciously maybe, that I didn't, I, I just had to hang my own shingle and do what I was doing. Would you feel like if somebody's telling you what to do, you kind of had a little rebel in you? Or was it more like you're doing it because you want to do it because it, it was a challenge for you? You know, on the one hand, it, it is sort of comforting when people just guide the ship for you, but I can never do that for very long. And I, I don't know that, uh, uh, I, again, I think it's, it's, it's a mix of my own ego. It was a mix of my own inabilities and shortcomings. Uh, and that sort of comes together, I think, for entrepreneurs. is like, well, I just have to do it my way. And there isn't, you know. There's it, no other option. I don't fit into this other mold, so I have to do it my way. And, you know, I think if you look at really successful people, you included, I think, it's like, it doesn't work. I mean, I, I, the, I still cringe when I hear this. Well, this is the way we always do it. I cringe when I hear that. It's like, I don't give a crap how we always do it. What's the best way to do it? And I'm not going to be stuck in some mold that uh, it's the way we always do it. In the, uh, in the accounting industry, we have a standard joke that goes on when you're having a discussion on a client and we're like, well, what do we do? And it, it's the first answer has always been, well, what did we do last year? We just got to be consistent. Like, it doesn't matter if it was right or wrong, what the people did before. It's always about what did we do last year? We want that precedent. Where when you're in the real world, it's always about what's better. Not what we did, but what's better. Yeah. And I think that mindset is a really big change for the average person just can't comprehend it. So all your entrepreneurs out there listening about on this, like you just got to have that self um, awareness that you're like, hey, if I don't belong somewhere, take the risk, take the chance to go do this other thing. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. I mean, I, what was the worst that could happen when you're evaluating that? I don't even know. I'm guessing that you didn't really look at it like there was a choice that I could possibly fail. You didn't, I don't think even that was a mindset when you decided to go on your own. I think it was just like, well, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I think there's a difference here. You know, there are people say, maybe the way to look at it is this. Let's take, for instance, let's say I, I actually did go take a job at a law firm or I went to the prosecutor's office or the attorney general's office and I did a decade there just clocking time time in in. and out. And then all of a sudden I, I, I'd say, you know what? This isn't my path. I'm going to go start my own law firm. It's a whole different mindset then. Then I do have to evaluate risk. I've already established certain needs that I have, like financially. I've already established maybe a marriage with kids and a house payment and all that other nonsense that uh, you have to keep up. And my old mentor used to say, those people are on the opium. You know, they need their minimum opium every day and they will sacrifice everything just to get the minimum. 
uh, just to exist and, and to take the risk and jump. Now the difference is on my side is I never had that, at least not that conscious thought process where uh, I'm going to uh, I'm taking a risk here because I, I, I've said it sort of uh, you know sarcastically. I, I I was too stupid to realize how risky it really was. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, or too ignorant to maybe is right. a better word. Do you think um, when you first started out and said, um, I'm not going to work for the man, I'm going to do my thing, did you think like, hey, I just want to kind of hang my shingle up and kind of just do some law work? Or did you say, you know what, I think I'm going to build this empire and I'm going to run this amazing business. Did you have any inclination which way you wanted to go initially? Uh, probably not. I just, uh, I was sort of like Mr. Magoo, you know, walking on the, on the, with the big thick glasses. Yeah, you know, just walking around and sort of uh, making mistakes and correcting and finding my own path. I think um, I knew this. My mentor always said it. If you're, and this is probably not only true in law, but probably everything. If he said, if you're a good trial lawyer, everything else will tend to fall into place. And the, the depth of that is really, really sort of incredible. I don't even think I real. I don't think he realized how deep that really was. Because in order to be a good trial lawyer, you had to be a good. Uh, you had to treat people fairly. In order to treat people fairly, you had to sort of evaluate situations and take the right side. You had to learn how to uh, be adverse to the other side at the same time have a professional relationship. You had to learn how to talk to jurors about a case or a client who is maybe less than um, likable. Forthright, yeah. Uh, and it, like all of that, like the way he summed that up and he had a knack of doing that, and he was great at this. That's probably why. But, uh, you know, if, so I just focused on that for, and I just learned my profession uh, sort of ignorantly. And that's, that's back to the thing. I, I learned how people always did it. And I always had the, you know, from creating my own childhood mishaps, had to solve problems. I've learned how to solve problems. And I just would find the best way to do it without even really knowing the way it's always been done. How important do you think surrounding yourself or being around people that were successful that could mentor you um, and basically give you those couple words of encouragement to kind of make you believe that you could actually do it. A lot of people don't get that support, which is unfortunate because there's just a lot of greatness out there that people just don't even know they have it. Yep. They don't have the confidence. They don't have the support to do that. Nobody kind of tells them it's going to be okay and just gives them a couple bit of advice. And we're not saying that they kind of sit there every day for 10 hours and tell you what to do, but just give you those tidbits. How important do you think that was for you, you know, when you clerk for those, those two attorneys when uh, you start out? It, it was invaluable. I mean, and, and maybe even broader than that, just, I, I don't even know if I got tips or advice, uh, maybe except for what I just told you, but I got, I watched how they did it and how I was, they rolled, how they rolled. And then I was able, my job working for them was an infrastructure type job. I was the guy, along with my partner, uh, Eric at the time, uh, we made the trains run on time at that office. You know, we dealt with the client interaction. I learned how to create a legal file. I learned the sort of the workflow in an office, stuff that you would never learn in law school by any measure. And They don't and, teach that. No, they don't. And they probably, sh they probably should because they don't teach you how to be an entrepreneur in law school. They do uh, not. They don't teach you about money. They don't teach about anything. None of it. Uh, and I learned that. So just being immersed in that was invaluable. And I don't know that I could have done it otherwise. I really don't. Do you feel like when you were uh, clerking for them, do you feel like at that point in time you were having some self-awareness and some 
bringing some value to that that firm that you're working for to be able to kind of like, oh, this is how this is going. And I know you guys are doing it this way, but what if we did it this way? Did, did they give you the bandwidth or the flexibility to go off script and kind of do things better than they were doing it and find those things? Um, were you able to bring the value that way or are you just like, look, I'm going to plug and play and do what they tell me and figure that out this way? It was a it was a, an evolving process. At first, I was just like overwhelmed. Um, and they said, here, just read these files. They didn't have any work for me. <laughs> you know, just read the files. And I did that. But eventually I did. Eventually I did start to uh, alter how they did things because I just thought it was better to do it this way. And when it came down to uh, that kind of stuff, I had almost full authority to do whatever the heck I wanted. Now, when it, and, and I'll, I'll even say this, we, I've worked on some huge high profile cases with, uh, with those guys and I was always included. I was, uh, now, here's another little tip though. I never billed them for the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't put it on my timesheet. I would be at their house at 10 at night, 11 at night, 12 at midnight working. And I didn't put it on the timesheet and, and I wasn't really asked to be there because I didn't, they didn't need me there. Um, but you wanted to be, I showed up. So you're trying to achieve I just was more, learn more, contribute more, be part of the team, those types of things. You know, it's funny things. Sometimes entrepreneurs, when they start off quote with the real job, um, they sit there and they look at, like you were saying about, and Julie, I'll bring you in on this one. You know, people look at like, well, this is how we've always done it. This is what we do. All of a sudden there's this revelation. Well, we can do this better. And then the question is, well, if I'm going to do it better and I'm going to bring all this value, why am I going to stay at this company? Why don't I hang my own shingle? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that. But I also think there's something to that, you know, being a part of that team, building something better and and providing that value. And I think, Steve, you would agree that that value that that provided you and how to interact with those people and how to, you know, create that value moving forward has taught you probably a lot as you went on your own. Yeah, it absolutely did. And and I think there's another point here that should be at least made, and that is, um, it, it may depend greatly on where you're working at the time, because if I went to work for a huge firm that had this established set chiseled in stone infrastructure and policies and practices, I never would have had any, I, 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 it would have stifled my creative you process immediately. Yep. So I was at a place that was sort of semi-chaotic anyway. And because they're just like I am. They're fluid. And yep, it's you moving. Know, they just did, you know, they didn't, you know, they just said rock and roll, let's get this done. Um, so if I, would, I wonder if I would have been at like a prosecutor's office where they just did it that way, I, it probably wouldn't have tapped into anything. It's sort of like, um, it's sort of like music. You know, I, 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 I love I, the more music I learn and the more I play and the more I get into it, more other parts of my brain open up to solve other problems. And I think unless you use those parts of your brain, unless you actually uh, are forced maybe to open up parts of your brain like that, and that would only happen if you're in an environment that is conducive to it. And if it's not, you're just going to be stifled and bored. Literally the office. Um, yeah, that's right. There, that's yeah, a perfect, that's exactly what we're talking about. That's the opposite. Stifling any opportunity, growth, development, just come in and do a task over and over. It sounds horrible. Yep. So when you were working with them and you came out, um, how did you get to the next step where you're like, hey, I'm going to go do this thing. And then all of a sudden at some point you found Eric and you're like, hey, maybe we can do this together. What was your mindset for that? Uh, what was it a, a question of you both kind of couldn't help each other? You had some shortfalls on one side. You had strengths. You had weaknesses. And you could augment each other. Or was it more of like, hey, let's do this together. Why not? How did you come to that conclusion? 
You know, Eric and I, it's, uh, I think there's a little bit of the old saying, misery loves company. Um, and, and when you're, when you're ignorant and floating around in the ocean, it's better to have somebody doing it with you. And, uh, we complemented each other very well. Now we met working for the same two guys and we, we developed a very, very, uh, complementary workflow together. You know, he had a certain role and I had a certain role and, uh, it was, uh, it just clicked. It worked, it worked well. Uh, so when, but initially, uh, Eric left. He was he was earlier than I was out mm-hmm. of law school. He left and left the building. So Eric has left the building. He went over to a different office, and I stuck around. Six months later, I set up an office in the same building as our mentors, and I was solo. I had my own shingle. I printed my own letterhead. I had my own little uh, operation. I rented furniture, and that was it. I remember coming to your office first time I met you, and like had stuff all over. I don't think you had all a bunch of furniture even. Yeah. And you're like, I don't care. I'm doing this. I'm like, Hey, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I went to Aaron's rents and sells furniture because I didn't have any money to buy furniture and I rented a desk and I borrowed a, uh, I had a little conference table that, uh, one of the guys gave me or let me use, he took it back. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was it. I just started. I, I, I bought a, a used compact presario from, uh, who, one of my college buddies at the time, uh, for like a hundred bucks, and uh, I was off to the races. Hang the shingle, and off we go. Yeah, I remember the the first time that uh, you know when you when you meet somebody the first time, you try to you know my role is to try to gauge where they're at in their entrepreneurial journey, what kind of skill set they have, what they're maybe lacking or needing, what that looks like. When you've done it for a while, you kind of can just get a feel of that. Today, it's a lot easier for me after doing this for thirty years than it was back in the day. But at the time when I met you, I had a few years on the, on it, and I kind of just knew a little bit. And you can just see if somebody has the eye of the tiger, and they're like, "You're going to be okay." And it's always fun to work with people like that, you know. And Eric, he was such a like, eh, "It'll be all right, no big deal." He's not going to get his ruffles feathered over anything. And and you were like, "Hey, I am like, this is how it's going to be." And I'm like, "Okay, so these two guys are going to complement each other really well." So I I knew at the beginning you're going to have something special, which is kind of neat. Yeah, it worked great. I mean. It, it, and it's, it's odd because it's not really my strength to, to be organized and, and keep things sort of orderly like that. But on the other hand, it did work. You know, it was, uh, he was sort of a carefree shrug it off. Uh, and I get ang- anxious and stressed over things and I would, I would get it fixed. And, uh, so it just sort of separated the roles. Like I would do the business, bigger picture business planning. I would do the bigger picture case planning. And then he would just go, uh, go to court and, and be Eric and it worked great. Uh, and then, uh, you know, just, I, like I said, I was, I've said in seminars when people have asked me about this, we were always sort of charmed, you know, it's like the, the phones always rang and, and the business came in and we got good results and we won big trials and it just sort of, everything just sort of laid out in front of us. The confidence in one's ability to deliver whatever is that product or service that they're trying to do is a, is a big deal. And you, to have that, people will follow and believe and jump on board. And you guys, for whatever reason, we call it the it and, and some people just have it. Right. And I don't know if you know the law any better than anybody else. Would you say, you know, know it better or worse? Do you feel like it's the same? You just like the law is the law, right? And it's all your interpretation, how you argue it perhaps. I don't, I don't know as an attorney, what makes you, what made Eric, what made you your firm? Why do you think you were successful? You just know the law better or is it how you deliver it, how you argue it, your, your take on it, your perception? Yeah, you know, a lot of it was, uh, it's certainly not that we knew the law any better. I'm not going to profess to be smarter than anybody else. Probably quite the opposite. I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, it, actually, maybe the advice I give clients all the time is, is probably prudent. Is like, they have to like you. 
You know, the people like they have to like you. You have to be a likable person. You have to be uh, you have to be somebody that they want to deliver a not guilty verdict um, to. And, and and maybe that same advice would apply to what we were doing. You know, they had to, people had to like us. Now, here's the, here's the rub. It doesn't mean you can give yourself away. You can't be a patsy. You can't be a people pleaser necessarily. Uh, and you've got to have uh, values and, and structure behind it or some sort of uh, a moral compass behind it because you got like, nobody likes somebody who just says yes all the time. That's not likable either. Uh, so you got to stand up and have a backbone, but at the same time do it professionally and courteously. And I think that probably contributed a lot to it. I think there's probably was some luck. I think there is, um, we both had local networks and maybe this, there was some timing to it. You know, it's like everything has to sort of catch lightning in a bottle at the same time. Um, back in those days, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have, uh, this, this notion. Well, maybe I should explain what it is now. What it is now is that if I wanted to go out on my own and start a criminal defense practice, I need a web page and I need to be good at search engine optimization and I got to have good online marketing people working for me. And then the phone will ring. Um, we didn't have that. You know, we had to have the old fashioned way. Yeah. I had to have you referring business to me. So that meant when you, I I made a decision to hire you partly because, uh, I didn't know what I was actually, I, I, I thought I did know something about accounting or I was learning it. Um, that was a fun time at the time trying to tell you you didn't Yeah, in all honesty, but it was great because you wanted to learn. It was fun. It's always better on our standpoint to work with a client who wants to understand it. You may not end up doing it. You may not know it all, but if they want to learn it, it really is kind of empowering for the client to learn enough to be dangerous, to understand the terms so we can have a conversation. Yeah, you have to. If you're trying to be all standoffish and like, I don't want to learn, like that's not going to work. You have to want to be engaged in all aspects of your business, the financial, the planning, the tax side and employees, teammates, everybody. Yeah. And that was, so that was part of it. But the other part of it is I was being a little bit uh, selfish and I was thinking, well, he probably knows a lot of people. And if, mm-hmm. if Glenn knows a lot of people and he probably has a lot of clients and those kind of clients are going to get drunk driving cases. Do you or get mean in trouble, you used me? Absolutely. And, Son of a. And I, you know, my dad actually used to say this. He goes, you need to, as a professional, you need a good accountant. You need a good doctor. You need a good lawyer. You need a good uh, barber. You need a good suit guy. You need a good banker. Uh, banker. You need, you need all these things. And it's not because you need them. It's because it's a, you need to round out your network. Uh, so when you, it, it gives you an immediate uh, network of referrals, particularly in my line of work. And I'm sure, you know, I've become the lightning rod. So if you need a, you need your driveway done, I probably got a guy, you need your house framed. I probably got a guy, you need an accountant. I got you, you need a doctor. I got a guy, you need this. I got a guy for almost everything now. Uh, because that's how, and they're all guys doing sort of like what I do. You know, they're all sort of, uh, hustlers. So when you kind of started off, you kind of recognize that it's kind of impossible, and, and, and this is what learned a lot over the last few years. I mean, you know it, and then you try to quantify it, and to quantify it is like you can't do it by yourself, and you used an external team effectively by your network of people to help you, credibility, referrals, those types of things. And then ultimately at some point, um, you need realize you have to build your internal team a little bit. And, you know, that was, was fun with, uh, with working with Julie is to have that ability to recognize what does that team need to do? How do you build a team? And, you know, Julie, I think that's the, the key thing when somebody is doing business or, you know, just doing business, they want to convert to building a business. How do they make that transition? Right. And Steve, you know, how did, how are you able to kind of create that efficiency inside once you kind of saw that lightning, you had that luck, you had the opportunity to kind of be able to go, okay, 
I can't do it all. So how am I going to be able to delegate and create that efficiency where I feel comfortable with it? You know, I, I would love to tell you that I gave it a lot of thought, that I had a plan, that uh, I researched it. And Just that, lie to uh, us. It's okay. That, I was, that, that I'm somehow responsible for uh, setting up a very efficient infrastructure, but it was all trial and error. I mean, it was really like, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the people Eric and I used to work with with our mentors, uh, she sort of helped us run the, like the three of us sort of ran the show and then another lawyer too, Larry, who is uh, mm-hmm. still around. Uh, we just, we called her and had lunch. I was looked at Eric. I was like, we should get some office manager because I'm sick of doing this. I'll bet you, I'll bet you she would do it. Uh, so we went and had lunch with her and she's like, well, can I work part time? And we're like, sure, that, whatever you need, you can have it. Uh, so we just lucked into it again based on people we knew and then she came along and we had already had a relationship working together. So uh, she helped us sort of set up that, that infrastructure uh, initially. And there was, there was a couple people we experimented with before that didn't work out so well. Um, and, you know, it just sort of was off to the races. And then I think having a good manager who can keep you on track is essential. And, and the, the hard part, I think, would be I'm sort of doing it now because I'm rebuilding and it's like finding, finding that is very difficult. Um, and there's, uh, now I feel like you you almost have to actually give it some thought and figure out what do you want it to look like? What's the infrastructure going to look like? But when you're young and dumb and just doing it and walking forward, it's like, we're going to go climb that mountain. Let's go. What's the path? I have no idea. We'll find it. But I also think you needed that trust, right? Because you had that relationship, you'd already had that trust. And it sounds like when it didn't work out, and there wasn't a prior relationship for whatever, you couldn't build that trust to create that foundation to kind of move forward. Yeah, no, that's correct. You have to, that it was it was easier for us, I think, because we knew somebody and that's what helped. And to this day, I struggle finding employees. If I could, and I don't know what other people running businesses do, but. That's a never ending struggle. And what happens is a lot of times when you're trying to build a business, defining the roles, because as an as an entrepreneur owner, we are generally control freaks, and we think we can do it all. But once you recognize that you don't have to do it all, and it's not what you do, and you can make that, I guess, the nesty plunge, dropping in the pool, and say, "Wait a minute, I'm going to hand that off to somebody else who has that skill set." That's a big deal, and you guys were able to do that back in the beginning with that initial manager. And we always think as entrepreneurs, "Well, I'm going to bring in." another attorney, and I'm going to make that attorney be my practice manager. Well, that doesn't work because they don't have that same mindset. Yeah. It's a different thing. So identifying those roles is probably the biggest thing. And as, as you're doing this kind of retooling yourself with all the stuff that's happened over the last 25 years, you're redefining what that looks like probably and what that role is that you're trying to hire for and bring that teammate in, which is a big deal because it's you're basically having to hold yourself accountable to what is you really want. And as an entrepreneur, we always shoot from the hip, but now you're forced to actually have to make those decisions yep. and set up who do I want to be, how do I want to do it, and who's going to help me get there. And that's a big deal. Yeah, and there's part of that is, I think, being young and dumb. Um, you didn't I, know, didn't care. Yeah, you know, there, there, there is something to it, particularly with males. I say this to my juvenile clients a lot. It's like, you're a jackass and you don't even know it. And there's a, there's a physiological reason for that. Your brain, your, the, the frontal cortex of our brains doesn't develop uh, as quickly as it does with uh, females. You, you dabble in brain science on the side? I know you do because you're that guy. Right? I have had to, deal, like I've had to deal with psychologists and experts 
over the years in cases. And it's abundantly true. And and there's a reason we send 18-year-olds off to go fight the wars. You know, they don't have the same fear that we do when we're 30 or 40. And now looking back, and the other component to that, I think, was – I didn't really have an end game. I didn't. I was just swimming forward. I didn't, or I didn't even care. But now I'm 51. You know, I've got two kids, and so you know, old. it's like now you've got an end game. Now it's like, all right, I got to plan this because I've got something to work for. Whereas before, it was just like we're going, and uh, it didn't. It didn't really lay it out in front of me. And I and I know that's probably not. I, I don't know that's common. I don't know that's it's it's what everybody does. But I didn't. I'm, I wasn't a good planner. I'm still not, um, and that's part of the problem. But actually, that's okay because as an entrepreneur, you are willing to take the risk. You thrive in uncertainty. You thrive in chaos. I suspect, I don't know because I've never had to really sit down and have you do work for me. I've been very fortunate, knock on wood, that I don't have to use your services for those types of things. But I suspect that you're probably like most people where you are so busy thinking about it, thinking about it, you're not going to actually do the product that you need to do until you're up against the deadline. I mean, it's probably a blessing and a curse that most entrepreneurs have that. We don't do it till we have to because we're trying to formulate and come up with the best answer we can come with. And most of the time we can't do that until we're literally under the gun, the last second. So I suspect you're probably last minute writing briefs, interviewing witnesses and, and doing those types of things. Are you a, you know, when people look at, I want to hire an attorney for a criminal case, because I think that's what you specialize in, right? Is yep. it white collar, blue collar, whatever, it doesn't matter. If you do the crime, you're, we don't want you to do the time, right? That's right. And so when we try to, a, a person tries to hire an attorney, what are they looking for? Are they looking for somebody they can lie to? Are they looking for somebody they can come clean and get off their conscience? Are they looking for somebody they can bond with? What are you looking for when you're interviewing a client to see if you want to work with them? Do you care if they're guilty or innocent? Well, let's uh, let's unpack. You, got, you gave me a lot to unpack. Oh yeah. So you know, as a kid, I was disorganized. I was I forgetful. I uh, I didn't get my homework done, not because I wasn't capable of doing it, but either because I procrastinated, or forgot, or lost my books and thought, uh oh. Uh, so I had to cre- I created a lot of problems that I had to learn how to solve. And uh, I I've, this is uh, with reflection, I've come up with this theory. And because I've learned the hard way how to solve problems that I created for myself. I think I've become pretty good at being a problem solver. And, you know, that plugs in nicely with being a criminal defense lawyer because people come in with problems. Uh, so I've learned to solve problems. And, and it's no different now. I procrastinate uh, sort of. Uh, now I've learned, all right, I need X time to get this done. Uh, and then when I don't get it done or I don't start before X time, then now I, now I really need really, X time really, to get really. this done. Yeah. But in that process... Uh, there's some magic that happens. Like you said, I think I'm always thinking about things. My brain is always on, on overdrive thinking about 10. I am right now. Uh, and you know, so there is preparation that goes into it. It's just not apparent. Um, and, and then, so when I tell people, when they come in to talk to me as clients, I say, listen, if you want somebody who's going to pound the table and scream, not guilty and, and be the bulldog and do this and do that, uh, just out of the shoots, you know, you're in the wrong place. You're not that guy. Yeah. And if you need somebody and it turns out your case needs that, well, then that's what we'll do. But if that's what you, if your perception of what this process is requires this guy, this asshole lawyer to bang you see the on table TV. you see on TV, then, you know, you're, you're mistaken. I is am that a, a successful strategy? Like, a, you know, as a, as a client, if I was a client, what I'd say, yeah, I want the guy that's going to go there and scream and go crazy in the courtroom. Is that something you would want? Or is that effective... Uh, defense tool 
as a criminal defense attorney, or is that just that's like That's like me telling you what kind of accounting system I want. I don't know, but I think I do. Got it. Uh, there's a perception of what people think they need or want. And I had a conversation with a client yesterday, and you know, this client was all over me. And finally, they just asked, are you comfortable with this case? And I just laughed and I said, listen, I've been doing this 26 years. I'm comfortable with the case. And you've come at me now with what your neighbor said, your, your uh, daughter said, your therapist said, uh, some friend of a friend said, and the one person's advice that you're paying for is me, you know, and, and you're you, not buying into what I'm telling you. And, and you're not listening to what I'm saying. And I'm, and I, and I didn't say it in a, that maybe came off harsher than way, the way I delivered it. But uh, the idea is I need to solve my client's problems. And part of that, like you, I'm sure in any professional relationship type business is educating the client as to what their problems are and then what the solution is because there isn't a cookie cutter solution to most problems in my world. And what might solve your drunk driving problem uh, wouldn't solve Julie's or wouldn't solve somebody else's. You know, it's not the same for everybody. It might, there might be a formula that I can plug it into sort of uh, uh, rudimentarily in the background, but not, not every time. I look at everything is unique, every case is unique, um, and to be sure I can go to that little file in my brain and hit play and it'll go, but right. it's not, uh, it, we have to solve the problem. So do you want a bulldog lawyer? Well, only if you need it. And do you need a bulldog lawyer? Don't well, know yet. Only, we don't know until we know. Um, if you, it, it's not always about banging the, t- I, I had a talk with somebody last night who called me and it's a, going to be a publicity case. It's a, it's a, it's a good one. It's a good case. Nice. And uh, apparently, the the individual looked me up and saw me. He was referring another, he was referring one of his clients to me, and his client looked me up, said, "Oh man, he looks like a badass." Blah 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 blah. And I just laughed <laughs> and I fight. said, "Well, that's ironic because the case you just described does not need that. It needs uh, some careful uh, Rico nuance. Suave right. yeah. it, it needs some political uh, nuance, not." not uh, bulldog or, or bull in a china shop stuff. So, I, you know, it's like anything. You just got to solve the problem. How do you deal with the, uh, I guess, the pressures? You know, there's two two pressures. One is you have this being an entrepreneur and being in charge of your own vessel, if you will, and all that are touching it, whether it's family, friends, teammates, colleagues, your reputation. That's a big piece. That's a, that's a, I don't know if it's a, it's not a stress really. It's just a pressure. It's just a reality. And we, we thrive in as entrepreneurs. But the other side of it is, is that you're trying to execute something for your client. You know, if we mess up, oh, sorry, buddy, you owe some money. You might get audited and here's a penalty, right? It's the consequences are not huge. Now, extrapolate that it can be, oh, you missed an opportunity and now you're going to be behind on your goal. There are financial um, things that happen on this side, but in your side, if you mess up or you don't do something, you miss to miss crossing a T, a dotting an I. They're going to prison or going to the gas chamber. How do you reconcile that um, reality, cold hard reality that if you don't do your job well, kind of like an ER doc, if you don't write somebody dies, if you don't do your job well, somebody go to jail forever. How do you manage that type of pressure? Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, and I, I guess you just have to redefine the terms into something that that you can live with. And and by that I mean, uh, I worry about the evidence. I worry about the case. I worry about uh, what I need to worry about. And then when I need to worry about the client's uh, individual characteristics that are relevant to the case, I'll worry about that. Um, but it's a high pressure job. I mean, and and here's the other thing. It's like I'm not supposed to win. 
You the know? cards are against so you. I had to redefine, I had to learn that early on. My dad once said to me, he goes, well, you don't think you're going to win every case, do you? And I was like, well. Of course I am. I, you know, I'm 26. I think, yeah. I mean, I, why wouldn't why I? Wouldn't I? And it's, that's an absurd notion. Uh, it just is. Most people are guilty. Uh, most people have done something that warrants a, uh, war- that they're here for a reason. And, and there's, there's very few actually completely 100% uh, misidentified or whodunit wrong person cases. So I've had to shift into, my, into this notion that I am helping people solve their problems. I am, they are coming to me with a problem, and here's the rub. Um, there may not be a real good solution. We might be choosing between crappy and crappier, but I'll take crappy every time in that situation. You but know? see, I would think that as, as a client, I'm, my expectation is I'm getting free. Mm. So how do you manage that expectation with that client to say, look, you're either your choices are death or life without parole. It's not you're going to get out of jail in three years. Like, how do you get them to understand that if you can keep them from the gas chamber, it's probably a good deal? Well, again, I think it's not unlike what you guys deal with in your in your relationships with your clients. You can be 100% transactional and move on, or you can have a personal relationship with your client or a pseudo-personal. I mean, you can't get too mm-hmm. close, but uh, there has you have to develop a trust relationship with your clients. And that requires me to uh, sit down, get to know the individual, uh, listen to them legitimately, like genuinely listen to them mm-hmm. and give them feedback and give them my thoughts on it. And if you don't start that in my, this is what I recognize where people go wrong in my line of work. They don't start that day one. And if you don't start that day one, then when you get to the end game and you don't have a good resolution for somebody and you're choosing between those two well. options, like not crappy well. and crappier, they're going to look at you like, you screwed me. You know, you, this is uh, I didn't expect this at all. And, and managing and setting expectations in what I do is critical to doing this job well. Uh, and then you have to be good at what you do as well. I mean, I mean, you have to be able to deliver on, on the representation, but at the same time, you know, if, if you start with the premise that I, if you're doing criminal defense, you're not going to win every case, right? You just, it's not going to happen. So then what do you do? Well, you have to redefine what winning is. And that means you're going to get the best possible solution to the problem. Sometimes that means winning the trial. Sometimes it means, all right, you're just eating this crap instead of that bigger pile over there. And uh, you're, we, we've got to find a way uh, to make that uh, better. You know, that's just it. Something that you said that I think rings really true, and it's all relative throughout you know, any aspect of life is that you just described transparency creates trust, Mm -hmm. which creates the relationship. And I think that's a really big thing that you've been able to kind of have that awareness and implement into what you're doing. Yeah. And again, you're exactly right. That's such a great way to describe it. It, 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 But I stumbled into it sort of accidentally, like everything else is that is, um, uh, and I'll, you know, it's like, it's almost like embarrassing to share, but there became a time when I just couldn't remember like I said, I have ADHD. I'm diagnosed with it, but I couldn't remember like details about a client's problem or this or that or the other. So I started I, I, to deal with that. Um, I would call people in as their case progressed and I would say, let's start over as if we're in our first meeting because then I have context to it. Then I have the discovery. I have the evidence. I, I have some idea. And then I, then I started to just get to know people. I was like, tell me where you grew up. What's this? What's this? Uh, what was your childhood like? What were your, where'd you go to school? And then some magic starts to happen uh, both ways. One, I can get directly engaged with that individual as I'm preparing for that trial. And two, 
they get engaged with the process with me and there is that transparency. You know, I can share, you know, I legitimately care because I need that information to do what I got to do. And then they get comfortable talking to me and we get comfortable sharing personal information. And it's, um, then you get that, that trust and it's, uh, it's, I've stumbled into it. And now that I'm putting words to it, looking backwards, if you don't do that, then it's really difficult for people to trust you. That's the problem. People say I got a public defender and they're terrible. That's not, there's a lot of great public defenders, mm-hmm. like phenomenal public defenders who try cases, and they're better than I. They're better than most people. Um, and then there's a lot of crappy, really crappy private lawyers. So when people come in and say, I got a public defender person, like, no. But the problem is that person either is not incentivized because of they're getting paid no matter what or have the time. Time is to, probably the gig one. To do what you're describing, Julie, to say, I want to get to know you. I want to learn all there is to, to know about you and have that transparency. So then you'll trust me. And you can't just say, do this. Yeah, you've got, you get to pick and choose the cases you take. The PD, they're sitting there with, here's 50 cases, deal with this in the next week. I mean, it's impossible to get that level that you were talking about here, I would imagine. You, you, yeah, they can't do it. And there's no incentive to, like, I, this is why, I mean, look, this, this is why you need a market to drive business because if I didn't, if people didn't trust me and they're paying or they, they, they didn't have a transparent relationship, well, they're going to go next door to somebody who is, and then I'm going to go out of business. And, you know, you're going to get this sort of emerging from that, a level of, of, of legal services or accounting services or widget services, whatever it is that, that works because we have the incentive to make customers, um, uh, satisfied, happy. It's not something like you started out the first time you've got your first client and go, oh, this is what you need to do. Somehow, somewhere inside your brain, you just kind of did it. Maybe you didn't know why, maybe you didn't know how, you just did it somehow. And that's been a core value for you your whole career. Is that, do you feel like that's something you were just, you know, blessed and genetically and you were just born with it? Or is it something that you learned growing up watching others mentoring? Or is it just something you just felt like, this is how I want to do this? I, how did you get to that point? Uh, I, I think all that, the, the, a lot of it is ego for people. So if I remember early on, I was actually just thinking about this the other day. I, I was represented very young. I just started out and I had a, a buddy or like a guy in college two years behind me or something. Uh, and he got in trouble up at, the College of Worcester, some drinking or something. Uh, and I was talking to his dad and his dad was sort of a, you know, his dad was telling me what for, you know, like, here's what we need to do. And you're not calling me, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, <laughs> well, with all due respect, sir, blah, blah. And I hung up and I called him. I, I sat there. And I was like, I didn't feel good about that conversation. And I called him back and I just said, you know what? You're exactly right. Like you were right. And I, and somehow the light bulb clicked right there where I was like, I am avoiding this conversation because I haven't done my homework and I don't know the case well enough. And I'm telling you, like, he's trying to tell me what I know and my ego's in the way of that. And that's like, uh, and I, I learned, I called him back and I, and I actually, after I hung up, I was like, how do I fix this now? And I thought, I'll just be honest with him. I'll say, listen, man, usually works um, the best. Uh, I felt like I was getting accused here or something and, uh, you're exactly right. I shouldn't, your questions are legitimate. Let's talk it through. And, uh, it, the result of that conversation was nothing short of amazing, right? He was like, thank you. You know, immediately he felt good about it. And, you know, I didn't have experience and I was acting like I did. I, you know, he was a, he was, he was 20 years my senior. You know, it's like, there's so many reasons why I was wrong. He was on DEFCON 5 and 
you got him down to DEFCON 1 pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, I was wrong, and he was wrong about what he was demanding, but I, I was acting like he shouldn't be asking. Right. And, and he, he had every right to ask. Again, you're talking to a client about their case, and then you're talking to the people who love, support, and are part of them. Those has got to be two very different conversations, I would imagine, for you as the attorney, because you're dealing with the support staff that they have, that they have a different level of expectation. They don't want to believe that that person might be guilty. They yeah. want to believe that they're innocent. And, you know, that's that's probably a whole different skill set. How long did it take you to master that? No, I probably still not mastered that. Right. That's uh, that's just something that you, that evolves and no situation is the same. You know, sometimes you have a demanding mother. Sometimes you have a father who's pushy. Sometimes you have brothers, sisters, cousins, or friends, or fiancés, or spouses. Sometimes I've just had to say, you know what? This ain't working. This ain't working. I can't do this. And and that's the, you probably have that in your world. All like, the time. You know, you get this situation where it's like, this is not working. This person is, they want things I can't deliver. They're trying to pin me into corners that I'm not going to get pinned into. And, you know, that is a, there's a careful or there's a delicate balance there. I think in any business, uh, I can just imagine contractors where you could just, uh, Brutal. The, the the scope could creep on and on and on and on and on where they want you available at 10 at night on your cell. Like I have clients now ask for my cell phone. I had somebody recently ask me to drive them to court. And, you know, it's a hard one because you, you want, you know, you want to help, you know, but if you do that, you've let the camel in the tent maybe too far and you can't undo that. So uh, I, you just have to learn to say no. You just have to say, I'm not doing that. Do you think that's probably a, uh we call in the business, uh, you know, wisdom of when you first start out, you'll take anybody, you'll basically do anything because you're trying to grow your business. You're trying to get your name out there. Then after a while, you realize that burden that that puts on you and puts on your team. And you're like, life's too short to get up and go to work and do what we do and deal with this kind of negativity. Mm -hmm. And then you learn to basically screen a little bit better and choose more wisely. And again, you, you know a lot more now than you knew then and you have probably a little more swag where you can pick and choose a little bit better those clients. I mean, that's a big transformation. When do you think that hit in your career? Was that like in the fifth year, the 10th year, the 15th year, or are you still working on I it? I think we're all still working <laughs> on it. You know, it, I you read mean this, there's no end game? Oh, son of a. You probably have this too. I read oh, this yeah. article one time. It was written by a lawyer. It was like in, a, in the ABA, American Bar Association Journal or something. And it was like uh, the signs of problem clients. And the premise of it is we all know them when you're talking to them. Like, you know, right away, this person is not, it's the right fit. It's going to be a problem. And you know all the signs, you see all the signs, and then you do it anyway. You say, okay, I'll do it anyway. Uh, and Or uh, this is a, a classic too. It's like, all right, I'll do it for X dollars. And you're just thinking there's no way they're going to pay that. Then they and pay. And then they pay. And you think, Son of I should have charged double. Talk about the, you know, you've, as an entrepreneur, as a criminal defense attorney, again, we talked about all these pressures, but there's another big pressure that happens, and that big pressure most people probably aren't aware of that I would imagine is a true one, is that is, so you're out there representing a high-profile case, the court of public opinion is like, that dirtbag did this and this heinous crime to whomever the victim is, and then your picture pops up, and defense attorney representation is Stephen Palmer. Now all your friends are like, what the heck are you doing representing this guy? And do you ever get that backlash from your, like, um, I guess your 
you know, people that support you and friends and family, do they ever look at you like, what is wrong with this guy, Steve? Why would you do that? Do they Are they judgy or are they like, look, he's just doing his job? Yeah, both. I, I think just give me like friendly, how can you, oh yeah, another dirt ball for you, another this, another that. How you, what are you doing there? I think a more dangerous thing of that though is this, um, is this notion of pride. And I think that's the really tough. I have to fight that where, you know, if I, do I really want to be in the papers? Do I want to be on TV? Do I want to be that per? And, and what happens is you get proud. And I think that's a horrible, horrible, horrible thing to be, you know, usually uh, that's your ego that there's all sorts of reasons why that's, why that's not good. And one, somebody I know said this one, it's like, we do this for ego, we do it for money and we do it for cause in some degree of all three, all three. of us. And, and every now and then one's more important than the other. A lot of times it's ego. And, and, you know, if you like to have your picture in the paper, it's vanity, right? It's mm-hmm. like, it's that, and I think pride is a really dangerous, dangerous uh, trait to have. And, and I have to, yeah, I think you have to check it, yeah, at least acknowledging it, um, even though we all like it. Like, here I am on a paper, look, I'm on the news, or I'll do the interview, I'll be that guy. But I think you just, in my line of work, and I think everybody, everybody could benefit from this advice, and I'm not perfect at it. Learn to recognize when your ego and pride is on the table, and that's why you're motivated to do something. Because usually, that's when you get that's that's when you got the most. That's when you're propped up a little bit too high. Well, and I think the 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 fun part about uh, this podcast and the entrepreneur series that we're doing here is the fact that you know a lot of people don't realize when you're an entrepreneur, all this stuff you just talked about, it is exhausting mentally, emotionally. Um, time to just do what you're supposed to do to be the best at your game. And on top of that, you're expected to run this business and do all these other things. How did you reconcile and figure out the balance to be able to do both? Because you can't do one without the other. You can be the best businessman in the world. And if you can't do your law work, well, that's not going to work. You can be the best attorney in the world. You'd be a crappy business person and be bankrupt. How did you, how did you figure that out? Just by hook and crook, you know, it's a, it's a seesaw for sure. And and I think that's what, that's what you do, right? That's, this is where, you know, a lot of what I said about my clients, you have done that with us or me. And, and, you know, I've got a trust relationship with my accountant, with you guys. And uh, I can, I can sort of just say, all right, they got this. I don't have to worry about it. I'll get, I'll figure it out later. And at the same time, you know, having somebody you can trust to, um, make that call and say, look, we need this, we need to do this and just keep you on track, I think is important because it's, it's a, it's a, you never stop working when you run a small business. You never stop working. It is 24 seven. I don't care what anybody says. If I'm on vacation, I'm worried about something. I'm thinking about something. I'm returning calls. I'm, I'm doing whatever, uh, you know, you've, you, you never stop working and to divide the business plus the service at the same time without help. Uh, good luck. It's hard. it's hard. Do you feel like that you're spending, on a typical day, do you think you're spending, you know, you used to do a lot more work, probably working in your business, which would do the day-to-day activities of what it means to run your business. And then you have your external, which is working on clients. And then you have this other one, which is working on your business, mm-hmm. right? How do you build and do what you want to do? What, what does that ratio look like, say, 20 years ago? And what's that ratio look like today? You know, it's, it's weird today after the shut, you know, if you end up with, uh, I'm short staffed right now, so I'm sort of doing everything again. And I think that has been eye-opening in the sense that I think probably most of us who have run businesses over the years sort of take for granted how much you do to tweak it day in and day out and how many decisions you make, how many paper clips do you need? Do I need another ream of paper? Where's the copy machine doing? What's this? What's this? What's this? What's this? It's exhausting. And you don't, you, you take for granted how much incrementally you've thrown on your own shoulders until all of a sudden you're you're exposed and bare and now you're doing all of it. 
you realize I, I so I, I think I was doing looking back a lot more than I under, I realized. It was like a fish, you know, they don't know they're in water. You know, you you, you just I was doing it because it just happened incrementally over time. Um, so it's at different times, it's probably 80, 20 and 20, 80, it probably reverses depending on what's going on, but it both need attention. That's for sure. And what about the working on the business, meaning strategy, planning, um, vision, doing those things that are trying to, you know, determine what that business is going to look like? Like how much time do you spend doing that? Uh, probably more than I think, you know, I, I always have these harebrained ideas. I'll call you about them and say, I want to do this, this, and this, or I want to do this, this, and this. Strategery is fun. Yeah. And it's, uh, but at the end of the day, I think if you've got a good business, you're good at what you do. Um, it'll find itself, you know, the, 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 the work will sort of guide you to what you need to do. I don't know how I would react or respond if I just walked into a business and said, all right, now you guys, now I'm a widget maker. Um, what do you do? Um, that would be hard for me. Now I, I got buddies who have like once you sort of conquer a business and build it, you can just plug it in, duplicate. I, mine, I don't think I could do that so easily. So, no, you're kind of a unique skill set of what you do. Well, Steve, appreciate you spending some time with us today and sharing all those thoughts. And until uh, next time, this is Glenn Harper, Julie Smith, Steve Palmer. We'll see you guys later. At Harper and Company CPA Plus, we just don't care about the numbers. We care about helping you tap into the greatness of your entrepreneurial journey. You deserve a partner who has helped hundreds of businesses go from paying the bills to building the business and lifestyle of their dreams. Go to our website and download our free guide entitled Entrepreneurial Success Formula, How to Avoid Managing Your Business from Your Bank Account. The link is in this episode's show notes.